two things that we know. Dungeons and Dragons is the greatest game in humanoid existence. And girls is the answer to who run the world. Based on these overly researched facts, Fate and the Fable Maidens is an all-women, family-friendly D&D podcast set in a fantasy steampunk world. Fate and the Fable Maidens offers what audiences want to hear. A snarky halfling. A changing that rages. And a note wielding a firearm. Join the journey at FateFMCast.com. Listen to Fate and the Fable Maidens every other Monday anywhere a podcast can be found. In a world where people pretend to be someone else for fun, two friends banded together. If we don't create these people, who the heck will to teach others the joy of making characters? How can there be so many games? The One Shot Podcast Network presents Character Creation Cast, where Ryan Bolter, Amelia Entram, and guests create characters for different role-playing games and talk about the process. Also starring Character Evolution Cast, where Ryan, Amelia, and guests dive deep into tips on how to play those characters better. Ooh, I can't wait to listen. Rashomon. A land where spirits roam and witches rule. Three women are embroiled in a divine plot, and it is up to them to uncover why. Join the adventures of the Broadswords at thebroadswords.com. Edric, you crawl out of the tent that you share with Jin and Adro. The sun is peering up from the horizon, its heat causing mist to rise up from the moors. It rained through the night. Mud squelches underfoot as you make your way to the jacks. It looks like more rain is coming. The clouds are low and dark. Edric, the voice is familiar. Who's there? When you turn towards the voice, you see an angel sitting upon a tree stump, waiting. Their armor shines even in the gloom of the morning. Okay, the others are still asleep at this point? Yes. Okay, I'm going to uh, make my way over there. They watch you as you approach. Why are you visiting me here? You are needed at the Shanneth Moonwell. The Shanneth Moonwell? Corruption seeps into the well. They have need of you. Then my blade is yours to stop this corruption. And so it shall be and they fade into the mist. All right, I'm going to um, conjure a, a quarterstaff. There is a uh, some tendrils of black that come out of my hand and form into a rough shape of a staff and then solidify. And I'm gonna use that to hobble on over to the tent. And I am going to peek my head in to see if uh, either of them have woken up yet. Hello, 
I'm Victoria, your DM for today's session. So welcome to our International Podcasting Month episode. Um, thank you so much to Tess from RPG Cast, and I am here for organizing this huge event. I think the last time I, I checked, there was 43 podcasts involved in this. Um, this is enormous, so kudos to, to Tess for, for tackling this and, and being willing to do this. Thank you so much. Well, I think there's a little bit of introductions in order here. So we're going to introduce both our players and their characters. Uh, we are going to start out with Renee. Renee, why don't you tell us about your character? Hi, I'm Renee. Uh, I will be playing Jen Aldean, or Jen for short. She is an Air Genasi Barbarian Path of the Storm Herald. Her personality traits include she faces problems head-on, and a simple direct solution is the best path to success, and she can stare down a hellhound without flinching. Her ideal is nature. She's committed to the world around her and not to ideals. And her flaw, though, is if there's a plan, she'll forget it. And if she doesn't forget it, she'll ignore it. <laughs> uh, as far as her description physically, she has light blue skin, floating hair, and white energy lines as a Genasi. So, don't make any plans. Okay. <laughs> um, why don't we go with Ryan? Why don't you yes. tell us about your character? Right. Yeah, my name is Ryan Bolter, and I will be playing Edric, uh, who is a uh, human uh, warlock, who is a hexblade warlock. Uh, his personality traits are uh, he is a hopeless romantic, always searching for that special someone. Uh, he likes to perform, and his ideal is when I perform, I like to make the world better than what it was. And his flaw is he is a sucker for a pretty face. He has uh, dark brown unkempt hair and a beard, black clothes and armor, and both of those have purple accents on them. Mm. What kind of accents? Um, like little bits of stuff around the wrist and a little bit around the collar, um, and uh, probably on his coattails. He also has a tattered cape, which appears to be uh, possibly from a an old banner of sorts. Mm. And Misty. Hi, I'm Misty, and I'll be playing Adrokara, who is a druid fire furbold, um, very hermity person. My personality traits is that I am utterly serene even in the face of danger, and I feel tremendous sympathy. Uh, my ideals is that my gifts, my strength, are meant to be shared to protect all, especially nature. And my flaw is that I often act without thinking. Adro often just does not think. Um. <laughs> well, then planning is probably not going to be happening anyway. <laughs> Adric is used to it. Yeah. <laughs> Adro is very large, um, but because he's so large, he understands he might be intimidating, so he's always slouching and trying to make himself appear smaller in size. He's over, he's 203 years old. He's seven feet, six inches tall. He's got very pale blue skin and incredibly messy hair, and not a single thing he wears or adorns is unnatural. So lots of twigs and flowers and hide and 
such makeup encompass who he is. Hmm. Well, we we definitely have a motley crew <laughs> of adventurers here. We're going to skip the travel scene because boo to travel scenes. <laughs> we can just have a montage of you traveling over the moors, single file, wind blowing through your hair, your capes flapping, and then the obligatory <laughs> stop on like a high perch as you survey the, the land around you. <laughs> uh, and then you start trekking through a woodland, a forest. And that earlier rain from the morning has come. And it's like a constant mist. You're, you're soaked through because you're just essentially walking through clouds and walking through fine water particles. Your hair curls about your face in unruly frizz. The clouds have dropped down to meet the earth and you are enveloped in fog. You trudge through the woodland, weaving your way past thick, gnarled oaks and straight-backed birch. Moss carpets the ground, creating a soft, spongy surface to walk on. Ahead, just through the fog, you see two oaks, centuries old, forming what looks like a gateway. This is the Moonwell. Uh, we finally arrived. Lovely place, isn't it? I've never seen trees look so complementary to one another. I like saunter up and I'm stroking one of the one of the oak trees gently. You feel a soft tingle in your fingers when you you touch the oak tree. Jen even finds the fog beautiful and so she keeps kind of running her hand through the air as she walks. And she approaches the trees as well and just admires them in their grandeur. And Edric is keeping an eye out uh, at all times. Okay. Do you want to roll perception? Yes, I can do that. First roll of game. <laughs> Probably not too good. I rolled a five and I have a plus four. Plus two. I was looking at the wrong thing. <laughs> okay, so a seven. A seven. You see a very calm, wet woodland. You, you've you been to Moonwells before um, in your travels there throughout the, the Moonshea Isles uh, where you live. They're sacred places and they're often beautiful, calm places. And, and that's exactly what this is. Okay, I'm going to keep my uh, quarterstaff out uh, and conjured uh, to use it as a walking stick through these uh, potentially uh, hazardous uh, terrains. Don't want to twist an ankle or anything. And you you approach the gate? Are you walking through the gate? I think I want to approach the gate. Uh, I'm going to examine it uh, for anything out of the ordinary, but then I will step through if I do not see anything uh, else. Edric? How much did you tell us about why we're here? Um, I would have told you that uh, we had gotten a visitor while you were asleep. Probably a, a guardian, I would okay. say. And uh, they gave me this quest, and it sounded a little too important not to pass up. Okay. Do you want to roll investigation? 
Yeah, please. I don't want to hog all the rolls. <laughs> Rolled an eight plus negative one, so mm. a seven. They look like lovely oaks. Very old. I think Adra will slowly pass through. And if there's a way to do so while keeping his hand on the oak, he would. Okay. When you pass through, the hairs on your arms and the back of your neck raise. For the brief moment that you stand beneath the outstretched branches of the oaks, there is silence. There is a, a feeling of weightlessness. But it only lasts a breath, half a breath. And then you're on solid ground again, just on the other side of the gate. And you can see your friends on the other side. You can see the woodland on the other side. But you definitely passed through something. You've definitely been transported. Can we see Adro? <laughs> can I call out to them? Like when I, when Adro says, like slowly would say Edric, Jen? That didn't feel right. They can hear you. You seem fine, though, right now. How are you feeling, my friend? Fine now. But for a moment, there was something. Just be wary. Tread cautiously, friends. All right, I'm going to uh, nod and take a breath and then step on through. The same thing. There's that, just that, that second, that, that briefest of moments where everything just seems undone you're weightless it's quiet there you've never had anything so quiet before it's just the absence of all sound the absence of everything just just brief moment and then as soon as your foot touches the ground on the other side everything's back to normal and there's there's birds you can hear squirrels well, that was an interesting experience. I wonder why I'm still on the other side and just kind of rush through at this point. Same thing as you, but because you're rushing through, it's even shorter. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> and it is again that that moment of of weightlessness, and you you all know that you have been transported. Some you have passed through something into something else. Is the weather the same? Still that rain? Yes. Uh, I march around the trees the long way and see if I can see anything. You do. Oh. You stand or circling a glade that is surrounded by the exact same trees that you just walked through to get here. It's just, there's a whole bunch of oaks and birch around. And just as the woods behind you, the ground is carpeted in moss. It creeps up the side of the carved stone that circles the healing waters of the well, gift of the Earth Mother, the soul of the Moonshade Isles. But there is a red stain that is smeared on the grey stone, and that, you know, does not belong there. Neither do the two slender bodies that lay half-submerged in the calm water of the well. The once clear water muddied, muddied by blood. I think I've found why we're here. I'm going to hobble on over uh, to Jin. I'm going to go check on the bodies if there's any hope. I doubt, but 
All right. You're, are you looking for signs of yes, life? Yes, signs of life. They've been stripped. They are nude. Um, and they are... There's nothing. Mm. They are pale and cold. So no form of identification. Can I notice any specific features about them? You do notice that they both have tattoos of uh, sheets of grain on their cheek. Adro, I'm going to bend down beside them and kind of lower my head and gently caress that tattoo on one of their cheeks. Okay. And just, I'm shaking my head a bit and this isn't normal for people, is it? No, well, I don't know. Maybe I can roll for it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What do you want to roll? Uh, Maybe history to see if I know anything about these tattoos. Okay. That is a uh, a 16. Yeah, you you do know what these are. This is the symbol of of the Earth Mother of (laughs) Chantia, goddess of nature and agriculture. Would they be typical, though? They are typical to the guardians of the Moonwell. Okay. I I put my hand on Adro's shoulder and explain that to him as he kind of seems to grieve. Who would, who would do this to just guardians? Why, why would somebody want to harm them? And then I'm going to stand up slowly and inspect the well itself. Yeah, the the well is, it's been tainted. Um, you can tell that by their blood. Um, and but there's there's a swirl of like a, a sickly green color in with that with the blood. The fact that we found them in this state, Adro, you're right. None of this is right. It all feels wrong. I don't know what could have done this or what did, but we need to figure it out. This this isn't right. Are there any additional tracks in the area, uh, in the soft ground, at all that would not have been caused by us or uh, the, the two deceased here? Uh, give me a survival check if you want to do some tracking. I will try. That is a 15. You do notice... A single pair of tracks and they lead toward the well and then they lead back from whence they came and it's not through the gate it leads into near some bushes just about perhaps 15 feet to your right all right i i'm going to um hold up my hand and dissipate my uh, my quarterstaff and the the black tendrils uh, of the staff shape curve and bend and reform into a longbow. And I'm going to knock an arrow and say, the tracks, they lead to those bushes over there and slowly start making my way there. Before we go, uh, Victoria, would we know cause of death from examining these bodies? I don't know if you would know if you had caused it by examining. I the I bodies. can investigate it. I just uh, wondered if it was extremely obvious. Sounds like a medicine check. 
Yeah, it does sound like a medicine check. I can do a medicine (laughs) check. I'm worse at medicine, but that is a 16, so not terrible. You notice in one of them, uh, they have a single wound in the neck. It's clean, thin hole. Probably an arrow, you would think, did this. The other one has two wounds. There's a shallow wound in in their chest, and then there's another in their thigh where their major artery is. Okay. Interesting. Or if they were human, that's where it would be. Where their major artery would right. be. Well, Jenna is investigating the bodies. Adra is going to be almost it's more bumbling than crawling around the floor around the well a bit. I'm picking up like leaf buds and flower buds I can find. And then I'm going to go back to the bodies and lay them down. And I'll cast Druid Craft and I'll like blossom them on the bodies and just kind of like hang my head in kind of respect for their lives. May I have a perception check from everyone? Yes. Ooh, net 20. I got a 24. I got a 7. Well, you are really absorbed in those arrow wounds. Mm -hmm. Real worried. Because you're also noticing in those arrow wounds that there is an off smell coming from them. And it's a similar smell that's coming out of the well. It's acrid. Not natural? No. And for the other two, for Adro and Edric, you hear a rustle in the trees. In fact, you hear multiple points. Like, you're surrounded, Russell. I think we have company. I'll draw my sword. And uh, normally I'm kind of hunched over and hobbling, but at this point I am standing straight and strong with my bow drawn, looking towards uh, where the, the noises are coming from. I kind of just call out and say, who comes to the moon well? We should ask you the same. And as that voice speaks, in a thick thickly accented common. Six slender folk come out, bows drawn, circling you. They all wear leather armor and pale blue cloaks, and they all have the same tattoo that the guardian, dead guardians have. I, uh, lower my bow. Explain this evil. We had been summoned here by a guardian one of our own mayhaps i'll look at edric a little bit funny they were a little bit more um heavenly heavenly and they're all still standing there with their their bows drawn what happened to them that is what we're here to ask you but we just we just came through and found them You say you were summoned to do what? To clear the corruption. Corruption. That's the word for it. This isn't right. This isn't normal. It isn't natural. I'm going to set my sword down on the ground and kind of put my hands up and say, I only want to help. And I think I speak for my companions when I say they do as well. I kind of look at Edric and Adro at that. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to uh, 
place my arrow back into my quiver and as I do so my bow will dissipate and uh, turn back into a quarter staff and I will lead on that for support. We have no quarrel with the guardians of the well. Everyone lowers their bows. They don't put their arrows back in their quiver, but they're not drawn and ready. We can work this point. <laughs> what have you found? I'll explain to them the smell and uh, point out the wounds that I've noticed to, uh, particularly to the leader, since he's the one who's been addressing us. There, There's a bit of a collective gasp when they all come closer and and see what is there and what has happened to the moonwell when they see the the flowers adorning their their fallen comrades light smile uh, appears on the leader's face and whose work is this i point to adro yeah look at adro adro is not realizing they're all looking at him <laughs> <laughs> We thank you for your honor, Druid. Every life means something. Indeed. If only the assailants had thought so. But it appears they attack not just our own, but the isles themselves. These wells are the lifeblood of our land. And by befouling them, they attack what sustains us. Is there a way we can help protect them? For now, we must... We must find out who is behind this. If they have targeted this one, they may target others. This this is still fairly recent. We could still find them. Perhaps if we were to join forces, we search one areas of the forest and you search others. Can you send messages to the other guardians that to be more on guard than normal? We can. We shall. Adro's going to... Once again, scoop down like a bud and once again, bloom it and hand it to the leader. And the whole time he's talking, like I'm kind of like shying away, not looking directly at their face and just kind of handing it and saying, the world has a way of writing itself when people are taking unnaturally like this. We will figure it out together. I intend to write this wrong. We can do as you say. Very well. We will put the the word out to our fellows and we will spread out throughout the forest to look for the evil that has done this do you know what could have done this no not at this time then we will begin our search here if you need of aid call on this and he hands you a horn any of the guardians who are near will come to you i'll step forward and accept it thank you and best of luck to you in your search. We'll do our best as well. And to you on yours. And he motions, and everyone falls in line, and they go out the gate. Edric, you said there were tracks? Yes, there were tracks that led to the well and back the way they came, towards those bushes. And then I'm going to point with my quarterstaff. Perhaps we should begin there. Adro? Are you all right? I will be. I never like seeing people like that. He kind of gestures at the bodies. I understand. He said, let's, let's go fix this. Yes. Let's. I'm going to start headed towards the bushes. 
Are you looking at the bushes? <laughs> I am looking at the bushes, yes. And I am looking around the bushes and looking to see if there's anything uh, out in the ordinary or if there's any further uh, directions that the tracks will go. Okay. So your first, so that's two different roles. Because yes. one, one of them is perception for looking that's... around for things and then the other one is survival to track. I think so... I want to look around for things first. Okay. So let's, let's look around. Perception. That is an 18. You notice just a tiny, like the size of a dime piece of fabric torn from a cloak or robe or something like that. And it, it's like a olive green color. I'm going to uh, bend down and examine it closely, see what type of material it's made from, see if there's any sort of indication of uh, any sort of pattern that it may have torn from. It is made of wool, and there, there really isn't much of a pattern. But when you crouch down to inspect it, and with, with an 18, I'm going to give this to you, um, you see a glint, a shining glint, um, as light kind of hits something when you move um, a little underneath the bushes a bit. I'm going to uh, kind of move the bushes mm -hmm. out of the way a bit with my quarterstaff um, at the full length. So I'm a little bit further away from the bushes. I want to pick the branches up a little bit so I can see that glint a little bit better. Mm -hmm. You see a brooch that also has a piece of that green, that olive green wool attached to it as if it was torn off and, and fell. And it is triangular in shape. At this point, I think uh, Jen has gotten everything that she wants from the scene. And the only reason she hasn't run off into the woods is because she's used to traveling with this group. But she is kind of shifting from foot to foot and um, right behind Edric. She's not like watching what he's doing, but she is breathing down his neck a little bit. <laughs> is there anything special about the bush, Edric? <laughs> There's a brooch down here, Jin, and a couple tattered pieces of possibly a cloak. I'm going to pick up the brooch carefully. Okay. You notice that it's engraved. And when you look at what you think would be upright, the point of the triangle, the top is actually pointing down. And there are three teardrop shapes on it. Hmm. You, um, any of us recognize it, like with the history or religion check? I don't know. Let's find out. We'll try yeah. and find out. I... Which would be more appropriate, history or religion? Whichever you choose. Okay. Yeah, I'm thinking uh, my first thought was religion, so I'm going to try that. It's a nine for me. Andrew, as per usual, knows nothing with a five. <laughs> <laughs> um, I rolled a ten and got a nine. Okay. I rolled a nine as well. Well, lucky for you, this is actually kind of easy, because it's a symbol of a god. Oh, good. <laughs> it is the symbol of Talona, Lady of Poisons. Very fitting, I see. 
what would the Lady of Poisons want to do poisoning, uh, obviously, these moon wells? <laughs> I don't know, but I sense her corruption both in the water and in the bodies themselves. There was that smell. It could have been poison. Well, we best not be hit by their blades then, shall we? Oh, come on, lighting up. That was just a joke. Sort of. <laughs> so funny. Can can we go? <laughs> uh, Adra's going to take the pieces of fabric that are there, though, and kind of pocket them. Okay. Um, and I'm rolling survival. I rolled an 11 and got 17. You see that these footsteps... They're following a, a deer path, a deer trail. Uh, you probably think this is the path that deer usually make to drink from the well. I will make that known to Edric and Jin, but say that we must do something quick. The wildlife around here won't survive well or long if they're all drinking poisoned water. All right, so you all make your way down or through the path? All right, so with your survival roll, you're able to follow this deer trail very well. You see occasionally the broken twigs, um, broken branches of people passing through here. And you make your way down this path for quite, quite some time. And the longer you go down it, the stronger that acrid stench is until up ahead you see the path widen and something like a clearing is on the end of it as you approach that clearing you see a flash of light i rush into the clearing to investigate what the flash of light was you see a fire um, and there's a cauldron kind of bubbling uh, over it uh, there is it that's where that acrid stench is and it's really strong here um, it's quite noxious it stings your your eyes and your nostrils when you're this close to it there is a table full of alchemical ingredients uh, herbalist ingredients there's an herbalist kit there there's an alchemy kit there, like a potion kit. There's a poisoner's kit. Uh, there's just a table just littered with with vials and dried herbs. And... Uh, is there anyone here? Not that you can see, no. Okay. Um, I go over to uh, smash the things on the table. All right, you smash them. Smash. I would like to inspect, like, Jin smashed the table, but is there any remaining herbs and stuff? There is. There's what you would know as, like, nightshade. There's some valerian, uh, an assortment of, of what you would know would be poisonous, like, fungi, some, like, oozy stuff. Um, a lot of, like, not nice things. These are all things that could kill, can be unpleasant. And some things that are, are, they won't kill you, but they can make life miserable. There are things that 
can can cripple people. It, it, they they can cause permanent damage to them in different ways. This isn't just to kill someone. This is to make someone hurt. So they wish to spread pain as well as death. And with these amounts of poison in their concoction, it feels like it would be impossible for an antidote to easily take care of this. It's too convoluted. I want to get rid of it. I just, I don't know how. I I point at the cauldron. This isn't a problem I can hit and make go away. But so long as it's here, so long as we don't know what the threat is that remains, this whole place and all of the aisles are in danger. I'll pace around the clearing again, trying to see if there's anywhere else to go or... Mm-hmm. Any other path? Um, what are you using? Are the perception, survival? I will use. Uh, can I use investigation? Yeah, that's a fifteen. You see, actually, um, a well-worn footpath, like well-worn, as in it's been. Well, you don't know because you don't. You didn't do survival, but there's a well-worn footpath. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a like a, a lid for this cauldron laying around somewhere? No. Hmm. But it's bubbling less and there's less noxious fumes coming out of it. What's the condition of that table? Did you like smash the table in half? No. Did you clean it? I don't it? think I did. I think I just smashed the things on top of it. Okay. So yeah, the the table still stands. Okay, I'm going to go over to the table and attempt to move it and have a whole lot of trouble with a strength of five um, <laughs> and call out to Adro. Yeah, Adro. my 300 pound self will come <laughs> over there slowly. Perhaps if we put this table over the cauldron, then the creatures of the woods will not find their way into it by accident. I will assist in doing that. Thank you, my friend. I'd prefer to be rid of the stuff altogether, but I don't know where to put it for now. I think that's wise. Okay, yes, yeah, so you, you cover the the top of the cauldron with the table. Uh, do you, do you, I assume you're taking it off the tripod so that you can do mm-hmm. that? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's on the ground and, and so it, it can't be accessed without lifting the table off of it. Okay. All right. Well, shall we follow the path that we found? I am ready to follow the path that we found. She's shifting from foot to foot again. As Edra's leaving the area, he looks really somber and just kind of says, all living plants and herbs have a purpose, but I don't like it when people take them and use them for their own purposes. We will find them and we will stop them, Adro. When I look upon the path, can I investigate and see like if there's anything noticeable on the path? Yeah. Like survival, perhaps? Mm-hmm. No, I only got an eight. You see a well-worn footpath. And you can see the path. Mm-hmm. And it, it goes off further into the woods. I will march along the path. Me too. As we go, I say to Adro, 
we'll need some time to ourselves for something much more respectful and relaxing than we've experienced here. Don't you agree? I will always take that, yes. Yeah. Let's see this through and then let's find a much more positive place. People who actually (laughs) care about nature or don't care to hurt it. That is what we are here for, is to make sure nobody hurts it more than we can let them. After she's kind of checked on Adro, she moves back up to the front and uh, continues on. You you march down that path, and it leads to a small cave. There is a very thin entranceway, but this is this is where it leads. It's a type of entranceway where you will have to turn sideways to get through. I look at the entranceway and I look at Adro. Do I think that they are compatible? <laughs> will I fit if I squeeze? Can I squeeze? You at six, at seven foot six inches, three hundred pounds. No, you will not fit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do I notice any smell? Uh, it smells damp and of earth. Should I investigate? By all means. All right. I will slip into, uh, turn sideways and slip into the cave. Okay, you you slide into the cave. Um, it's quite dim in here. It's not dark, but it is dim. Uh, it is dim light. And... It's a very narrow kind of, like, I guess, hallway, a corridor, um, but it's a, it's very natural. So there, there are a lot of jagged edges um, on either side. You, once you get past that initial like slide in there, um, it opens up a bit. It's, it's quite tall, um, like it, it, it's towering up there, this, this kind of fissure in the rock. Um, like a hundred feet like that this is much bigger than what it looked like when you were outside mm-hmm. actually um, and you it's it's about four feet wide once you kind of squeeze and turn around the corner and it just it leads ahead and it gets darker further you go down the hall. I call back and say, it's bigger on the inside, Doc, and uh, work my way further down. <laughs> right. Andro, do you think you can follow us? Can't fit, and because of the size of all the things Adro turns into, he is going to change into a black bear when he finally feels his energy come back. So it's the same size. It's medium. So same size as people. Okay. And you all go through? Yes. You all squeeze through and you see everything that Jin saw. That corridor that's ahead of you, it leads about, you can see, like, it goes for about 25 feet, and then there's a curve. Is there, um, like a, like a hand-sized 
uh, stone by this entrance. Sure, why not? Awesome. I'm going to pick it up and look at it and uh, whisper a couple words in Celestial and cast the light cantrip on the stone. I'll have my bow in one hand and the rock in another. And uh, I'll be walking alongside Jin at this point. I'm going to be behind them, but I'm, I um, with my blackberry snoot. I'm going to <laughs> nudge Jen in the back, kind of like forward toward the corridor, gently. <laughs> you don't have to tell me twice. All right, so you all go forward down the corridor. You walk down that corridor. It goes for about 25 feet, um, and then it turns off to the left. And when you turn left, there is a immediate sharp turn right, and you kind of have to zigzag your way through there. Um, it gets really narrow, just like at the be- at, at the beginning, and then you scoot your way through, and that then opens up to like a, a not a very large cavern but 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 large enough it, it's about like 30 by 40 feet with vaulted ceiling and lots of stalagmites and stalactites but in the center you see a man he is dressed in that olive green fabric that olive green wool in a robe um, and he too has a brooch. You can see the silver triangle kind of glint in the candlelight because he has lots of candles lit all around him. You can tell people have been living here. There are bedrolls and there are tables uh, and there are, you know, there are supplies here. How they got them in here, you're not quite sure because they, none of these things would have fit through that entrance that you managed to made your way through. But there, there is a whole bunch of stuff here. And he, he looks at the three of you. You shall not take away from her glory. I laugh. And then I go to hit him. <laughs> then we're going to roll initiative. Great. Well, that was an 11. Uh, Adro? Four. I got a nat 20 for 22. Jin? A 14. Okay, so it is going to go Edric, then we have Jin, we have this robed figure, and we have Adro. Edric. As I'm dropping the Rock of Light, I'm going to pull out an arrow and knock it on my longbow and say, Your god is no match for my queen. And loose an arrow. Okay. That is a 19. Ooh, that is a hit. Sweet. For eight damage. And I'm going to invoke the Raven Queen. Another arrow for my enemy, my queen. And loose it for a 24 to hit. Mm-hmm. This one, as I am reaching back and pulling out the arrow, like uh, wisps of black surround my hand and kind of trail behind my motions. And as the arrow looses, the trail of black follows behind the arrow okay. to hit him for six damage. Jin. As I, as I move towards him, I say, no matter who you serve, you have no right to destroy the beauty of our surroundings, of our 
home. And I begin to channel that righteous anger into a, a rage. And I lash out at him with my longsword, um, unfortunately just for an eight to hit. And um, mm. when I miss, strike again for a 17. Yes. Great. That is eight damage. And as that aura expands out from me again, um, lightning crackles and he needs to succeed on a DC 14 deck saving throw. Nine. Okay. He takes five uh, extra lightning damage. Okay. And it is his turn. He mutters something in in a language. I you, none of you speak infernal, right? No. Nope. Okay, so he he mutters in a language, and then he kind of moves his hands in a sweeping upward motion, and a sphere of poisonous yellow green fog comes rising up out of the ground. Um, its center is um, between himself and Adro and Edric, uh, where you are currently standing um, near the entrance of Into This Cavern. Um, I need everyone to do a constitution saving throw. Okay, I'm going to ask a question. As an Air Genasi, I have unending breath and can hold my breath indefinitely. Um, would that give me advantage as a constitution here if I were to stop breathing? Unfortunately not. Okay. I got an eight. A Fourteen. I got a four, so. Okay. So we got a fourteen, an eight, and a four? Yes. Yeah, I'll fail. Yay. So you are now all blinded. Oof. You cannot see in this fog. And it, it's, it stings your eyes. And that brings us to Adro. I am curious. It is obviously DM called. Um, Adro is going to shape okay. it out either way. Back into his regular self. But does that constitute another save or something no with i'm the not fog. I, I think it's, it's going to just be continuous well, yeah keep going okay just because i know like when an animal like when you die as an animal you don't have any damage you just right. become yourself again kind of thing yeah okay um so he's gonna come back to himself and i'm going to um cast moonbeam in where i think that person still is yeah, it's a constitution That's you, it's throw. a constitution So, well, I'm, I'm going to ask you to give me a d20 roll. Um, and we are okay. going to say, and gee, because you've got your friend who's right up there with him. <laughs> so, you're going to roll a d20. If you roll a 1 or a 2, then it's going to get your friend. Okay. If you roll a two to ten then it doesn't get anything anyone it's going to be like okay. nearby but close and then any like 11 or above it, you will get your target okay 13 okay you got your target Ooh. 
So then it's a constitution saving throw. <laughs> okay, and that is a 17. Okay, so passes, but we'll Pass. take half damage. So we've got seven, nine, 14 points, so half, so seven radiant damage. He screams as it hits him. He That surprised him. He did not expect that to, to occur. Um, and and Jin, you can feel like the um that that radiation mm. uh, blasting. You can't see anything, <laughs> but you can suddenly like there's there's heat. Um, it doesn't feel like a pleasant heat, and there is a man screaming um, as he he takes significant amount of damage um, from this radiation. Great, and that brings us to. You know what? I was looking at the wrong initiative. Uh oh. That's okay. <laughs> that's all right. Um, Edric. Okay. See, all of my stuff is creatures you can see within range. So that does not help. Nope. It's but almost like I planned it. I know, but I can I can hear him. So I kind of know where about he is. Mm-hmm. But I know Jin is up close as well. So I am going to attempt to get closer. Probably about... How far away is he anyway? Uh, he's... Uh, the room isn't, like, huge. He's mm-hmm. about 15. No, not even, like, 10. Yeah, 15. Oh, 15. Um, so I'm going to do... Uh, and there was a bunch of stalactites and stalagmites and stuff mm-hmm. in the way. Oh, that's... Thanks for this. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Okay, so... I guess my thought then is to get close quarters with him. Mm-hmm. I am going to... I'm going to wisp away my... Uh, longbow and turn it into a great sword and I am going to make my way towards them. Okay. Uh, give me a deck saving throw since you're kind of walking. Alright. Get plus two on that. I rolled an eight. You smash your shin into into a rock. It really hurts. <sighs> it kind of stops your movement forward. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I can't really do much else at this point, so I am going to uh, stay where I stay. Adro, we are going to retroactively give me a constitution saving throw. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Archon 15. You can see... <laughs> you've you've shaken that off. Um, you've rubbed that out of your eyes. Uh, you can see now. So, Edric, it's the end of your turn. All right. I will try the Constitution. Constitution. Throw. And I got a nine. You still can't see, and your shin hurts. Oh, <laughs> uh, what a day! <laughs> Jin. Okay. Uh, Still in uh, blindness, I recklessly attack, trying to hit the person in front of me. 
16 on the first roll, but a 23 on, uh, well, I, I was going to ask, because it was at, I was at disadvantage with the blindness, if reckless attack gave me advantage, would that cancel out? Yes. Okay, so then it would be a 16. Okay, that is a hit. Great. The damage is uh, 11, and uh, attack again, but only with a 12 this time. Nope. That's okay. I, I still, after just hitting him, um, I know kind of where he is within my stormy aura to beat a 14. 21! Oh, he does. Uh, he takes one damage again. <laughs> <laughs> and that brings us to him. Is there a constitution and... saving throw in there somewhere? Oh, yes. Do I get one? Oh, yeah. Oh, that is an 18. You can see again. Your, you know, your eyes are stinging, but you're you're pushing through it. You're blinking, and the the tears are doing their job and cleaning your eyes out. And uh, you can, you can see through this this noxious cloud. Unless the rope figure has moved on his turn, he needs to make another con yep. save for the moon. Okay. At the, it's at the beginning of his turn, right? Yes. A lot of con saves here. Yeah. Um, that is, uh, what's he have for his plus? That's a 16. Okay. Half so damage. half damage still, so, um, four points of damage then in total. Okay. Oh, I have, I'm not adding four. I'm subtracting four. <laughs> okay, well, he doesn't, uh, he, you've, you've got him in, like, a tight spot because he doesn't want to provoke an attack of opportunity from this angry woman in front of him. <laughs> um, but he really doesn't like this radiation moonbeam business. Um, and this isn't 4E, so he can't just slide to the side. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess he's going to kind of stay put. Um, and he instead is going to cast Ray of Enfeeblement at the the barbarian uh, in front of him. Okay. Well, no, it, it doesn't even matter what my modifier is because that's a two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that does not. He's uh, so distracted um, by his predicament that uh, he his hand he he just misses, and instead uh, he gets he gets some rock and it comes kind of tumbling down into the ground, and that brings us to it, Adro. I don't have the best concentration. <laughs> so, Adro is going to stop concentrating on moonbeams because he wouldn't know otherwise and is going to cast Shillelagh on his quarterstaff and come forward and non-lethally hit with two hands. So 18 to hit. That hits. Seven points of damage. And how, what does that look like? <laughs> Honestly, when Adro's hitting with his quarterstaff, he's very hunched over and kind of just like side hitting almost gently, <laughs> trying to hold himself back. Um, but just like knocking in the side, like in the mid drift area, trying to hit there. 
and he you hit him and he goes oof um as he he doubles over as you just whack him like a baseball i guess uh and uh he the air uh escapes from him and he he struggles for breath edric okay so i can hear my two companions up next to him i have no idea how many things i can trip over on the way there <laughs> no <laughs> all right i am going to I, i'm thinking to use prestidigitation to um to distract him in a way to assist Jin. okay so i want to um create like a shower of sparks around where um i saw him last or heard him last and uh it's basically just this harmless shower of sparks effectively all around him okay so you do that um and he he doubles over he's doubled over from just being hit in the stomach by by a quarter staff probably with a couple broken ribs um because Adro doesn't really know his own strength entirely with especially when he hits for seven points of damage <laughs> With his gentle stick, <laughs> stick hit, um, and then the sparks start falling around him, and he he is again startled and takes a step back and stumbles. Adric, give me a- another saving throw. I sure hope I roll better this time. That is an eleven. Nope. Nope. That's unfortunate. Uh, the This cloud really doesn't like your eyes. Not at all. Jin. Okay. Now he helped you. Um, he's distracted. Uh, now you already have advantage though, right? Uh, not unless I choose to attack recklessly. Okay. So you do have advantage because he is distracted. Great. I take a deep breath and blink a couple times to clear up my eyes more and those are both sevens so that's actually a 13 i don't think that'll do it it does oh it does wow okay feeling good about that yay wizards Uh, 11 damage i take another swing for uh 23 to hit and that is six damage this man does not look good Okay. Does not look good at all. Um, what did your attack look like? So, um, as I kind of breathe, I, if he's still doubled over, I swing up at him, and then for the second attack, crack down on his back with the uh, butt of my sword, let my aura do the rest, and he needs to make a deck saving throw again. 18. Okay. He only takes uh, one damage. Just whittling him down. Just a bit, yeah. <laughs> One point at a time. All right, and then we go to this person. And he is going to cast web at, at Jin. Okay. That's an area spell, right? Yes, 20-foot cube. So I guess it's starting at where Jin is, and... That because of the size of this cavern would also um, encompass the two of you as well. As well as him. No, it's in front of him. Oh, in front of him. Oh, okay, I get you. Yeah, he's casting it in front of himself. Um, as I hear this spell being cast, 
and through my frustration at my blindness, I'm going to uh, go ahead and cast a counter spell okay. on that. Um, so that would be if it's a third level spell or lower, it's an automatic failed spell. Has no effect. Well, it's a second level spell. Oh, fantastic. And he curses. You don't understand the language, but you know it's a curse. <laughs> just with with how he says it as his spell fizzles out. And there's no more moonbeam, so I don't have to do any saving throws. And that brings us to Adro. So I wouldn't have recognized what he was trying to cast, I'm assuming. No. Um, I mean, unless, unless you speak infernal and know his verbal mm-hmm. cues for that spell. Okay. Um, I will just attempt to whack again gently in the side with my <laughs> quarter staff. And I'm actually going to take a negative five to my attack roll to make a plus ten to my damage if I do hit. Because I have great weapon master okay. skills. So a fourteen to hit with all my pluses and minuses. Will that hit? Yep. Yeah. So nine, so 19 points of bludgeoning damage. Bones, and this is non-lethal? Yes, yeah. You hear a crack of bones, and then he falls to the ground, unconscious. Um, I immediately look at my comrades and said, I didn't mean to hit that hard. <laughs> I smile and say, you did good. And I'm still looking around. <laughs> is, he, is, he, is he done? Oh, when he when he passes, uh, or well, he's unconscious. He hasn't passed. So when he's unconscious, we'll say it's been about a minute, and the the cloud disappears. You can see. Hooray. Your eyes sting. All of your eyes are red, but you can see. <laughs> now that my uh, rage is. Uh, dissipating and I've taken a few breaths I look down at his unconscious body and then look at my companions and we didn't really give him much of a chance to talk did we his outfits matched those of the scraps that we found back at the moonwell yeah I figured that but what do we do with him now perhaps we can question him is he is he still alive adro I will, like, I'm looking sure myself, and I will medicine check. I really hope you don't roll poorly. I got 11. That's the best I got. He's, he's alive. I will look up at my companions and say, we can talk to him when he wakes up. I blow on his face. <laughs> he's, he's kind of out. I don't think I have anything to bind him before he wakes up it might be good to bind his hands less chance of the nasty magic to be cast at that rate findeth rope and like Adro will pull out his hemp rope yes rope will do I'm going to tie him up to one of the larger stalagmites stalactites whichever ones come from the ground to be honest I always get those confused too (laughs) yes Notice how I, I stopped using those terms once I initially said them and just said rocks. When you're describing both of them at the same time, it works perfectly exactly. fine. Exactly. <laughs> then they just become rocks. Mm-hmm. 
stalagmites. So I'm going to tie him up to one of the, the larger rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Once he's tied up, I will cast Healing Word on him to bring him back to speaking ability. Okay. So that's um, eight points of healing. He he wakes up. Um, I mean, he's he's beat up. He's been burned with radiation. He's been hacked at. He's been bashed. He's he looks really awful. And he comes to his head is kind of hanging, and he he stares up at the three of you. You may have stopped me, but there will be others. There will always be others. Why? Why? <laughs> Pain is life. I'm going to um, take my greatsword. It's a very ornate looking greatsword with thin stripes kind of uh, embroidered along the blade of white and I'm going to place it against his neck and uh, very intimidationly uh, ask him <laughs> who else is out there and where can we find them and I will try to roll for intimidation is a 14 he laughs again and he seems to even like press his neck into the blade. Do it. Death is glorious. At that point, I'm going to uh, dissipate the blade and let the tendrils of black recede back into my hand. Not for you. Not today. While this is happening, can I ask where the rips in his robes are? Um, where did you hit him, Jin? Oh, on the ropes. Um, in fact, you don't really see any tears other than from where Jin, uh, hit him. Um, and his brooch is intact. I'm just going to, with my head lowered, just kind of whisper, say, well, you say there's more, but I'll be here for a couple hundred more years and... I'll make sure that nobody hurts the world around us in that time. Pain may be proof of life, but it isn't life itself. Life itself is beautiful and powerful and lively. <laughs> and then I pull out the horn that was uh, given to me by the guardian we spoke to earlier. I sound it off. And it has a clear sound and it reverberates through this cavern even though you're inside like in a cave it you know you you can just tell by the sound that it is heard outside it is you know it it takes some time probably a good 20 minute of you standing there watching this man who's hanging on these ropes um with very little uh strength to hold himself up um but he's just laughing and it's really creepy <laughs> and uncomfortable if he didn't have a weird thing for pain i'd hit him in the face and shut him up again <laughs> best not to give him what he wants no 
Is there um, anything else within this chamber aside from a bunch of rocks? Yeah, there's there there bedrolls and there's tables. I'm gonna look for any sort of um, packs or chests or literature, anything uh, okay. that might be uh, able to give us a few more clues as to what's going on here. Yeah, and you don't even have to roll for that. Um, I mean, it's everything is there. There's nothing impeding you. There on one table, there there is actually writing utensils, and there is a journal. In that journal, you it's clearly his, and he is a agent of the followers of plague, um, which you can kind of get the vibe from as you read through this it is just a cult of Talona. Uh, who just think that pain is is pleasure and they they think death is glorious and death is more important than life just as part of this cult um, have decided to help bring that death and what they see is a positive thing to to the moonshade isles and they figured that they could get the most of it by doing it through through the moon wells. Okay. Is there any mentions of like an overarching leader of the cult at all? Not particularly. Uh, this this journal is really just a lot of recipes of poisons um, and musings of how to best get results and okay. how to cause lingering pain before death. No random antidotes, I'm assuming. N no, uh, antidotes <laughs> were definitely not in this man's repertoire. And as as you're going through this and you're reading through this, because reading through that entire journal is going to take time, uh, you do hear steps uh, coming from the entrance of the cave, and you hear, We heard your call. And three of those tall, slender beings emerge into the cavern. I scramble to my feet from where I've been sitting cross-legged and say, we've found one of the ag ag aggressors, but it's your domain and you should have the final say. Plus, he seems to really enjoy being hit and I would prefer not to. They observe him and then look at the three of you and they say thank you. You have done a great service for not only the Guardians, but for all of the Moonshade Isles. And word will be sent to the Queen. I'm going to step on over with his uh, manifesto and uh, hand it to them and say, this seems to detail some of the recipes and poisons that they are enacting. Perhaps with this knowledge, there can be an antidote that can be created. To help fight off this plague. Thank you. Some of our healers and the druid circle are currently at the well and working at cleansing it. And this will help since it will help give them clue as to what is going on. We appreciate this. Oh, and if you see a table in a clearing, there is a cauldron underneath it filled with some of this poison. 
We shall make sure that it's taken care of. Thank you. Thank you so much. I give him a thumbs up. some evil cultists of Talona who were bent on destroying the Moonwells and the the flora and fauna of the Moonshy Isles. So let's just take a little quick moment. If you enjoyed this, maybe you can check out some of these other wonderful podcasters that we have here. So Renee, why don't you tell us where we can find you, what what projects you're doing, all that sort of fun stuff. Absolutely. Uh, I'm Renee Rhodes, and I can be found as the DM on Fate and the Fable Maidens podcast, and also on Player Agency podcast. And on social media, I can be found at R on Twitter and Radian on Instagram. Uh, I am Ryan Bolter. I am uh, one of the co-hosts of Character Creation Cast, uh, which is a discussion podcast where we create characters for various role-playing games with a group of experts, and it is very fun. We don't get to play them, so this has been quite the pleasure. Mm -hmm. Um, You can find me online at Lord Neptune on Twitter. Um, I am also working on another project called uh, Side Heroes, and that is going to be an audio drama following the sidekick characters, basically the normal human friends of superheroes as their main characters. Um, That is going to be hopefully being developed soon. You can find that online at Twitter at Side Heroes Pod. Um, my name's Misty Vander, and for my podcast, I'm one of the co-hosts of Lady Slaying Dragons, and you can find us at, at Lady Slaying. You can find me anywhere on the internet at Misty Vander. You can find me on my website at aspiringhalfling.com or my convention at, at Uncon Gaming, PTBO. Yeah, why don't you tell us what, what's that convention about? It is about a very inclusive, accessible gaming environment for all kinds of games, all kinds of people, all ages, and all walks of life to come and comfortably game. And I am Victoria Rogers, the DM and producer of The Broadswords, an all-woman actual play D&D podcast. I am also going to be the co-host of the new show, Table Talk with Victoria and Ross, where we answer your questions about the table. So if you have a situation that you're really unsure of how to address it, whether it's to do with the social contract or even just game mechanics, we're here to help. So look for that on social media. Talking about social media, you can find me at Mimi Merlot on Twitter, or you can find the Broadswords at the Broadswords on pretty much any social media platform. Bye. 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 
All music in this episode is by Kevin McLeod on Incomptech.com. Songs were Anxiety, Interloper, Magic Forest, Willow in the Light. Sound effects are from freesound.org. Woodland Birdsong June by Just Kidding and Water Dripping in Cave by Sklolix.